Would you please join me for a word of prayer? May the words of my mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready for Palm Sunday. I hope that you play that for Palm Sunday, Alex. What a great, great. Then for those of us who kind of grew up, the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, the little children sing. Oh, I love it. It's fantastic. I couldn't get this sermon out at 8 o'clock. I just couldn't make it happen. I tried and tried and had pictures and all that stuff. And I don't know if the thermostat was set too low, if the air was too dead, if I wasn't organized enough, I couldn't get it. But I, I knew it was bad when I had a couple of people in the balcony giving me some of this. <laughs> and uh, it's just, it's just a, a, a different text today. You get to preach so much grace and love and God's kindness and all that stuff. And then, and then you get a list of things that God tells you to do. And Jesus is sitting with people. He says, do this and this and this and this and this. This is how this works and this is what it looks like. And, and, and words like that, like turn the other cheek. And all of a sudden, I, I don't know if it's just me, but I come into somewhat of a defensive posture. Is there someone that I've offended who looks and says, Pastor Tim is going to say another dumb thing to me and I'm going to have to turn the other cheek and go, ha, 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 and then shake my head? Um, or am I going to have to deal with that person who I have to turn the other cheek toward? And I've got to go, man, how could you do that? But i gotta, I got to love you. I've got to do this. I don't get to negotiate this kind of a text from Luke chapter six away. And I, I don't know. It's just hard. I think this text is hard. I think when the Lord tells us what to do, uh, for me, I kind of want to wiggle out of it a little bit. I want to say, well, I know you said this, but what Jesus really meant to say was this, because loving your enemies and doing good to those who hate you is way harder than being nice. And so, Luke 6, how do you deal with that? As the face of that person who you've offended, who's offended you, as the face comes into focus and you hear this word of the Lord, what goes through your soul? How do you sift this through your experience, your relationships, your friendships? Because that's what Jesus is dealing with right, right here. Jesus, the Son of God, is omniscient, right? He knew everything. So he, he probably knew that there would be Facebook and Twitter and that you could offend millions of people with just a push of a button. My grandfather never knew that. Grandpa's church in northern Wisconsin in Almina, a little place not far from where that girl, actually my father went to the high school where the girl was abducted and my family's not far from where she was found. Fascinating thing. But Grandpa in Almina, Wisconsin, for 30 years, uh, north of Highway 8, I mean, if they had a phone that worked, they were blessed. If you got mad at your farmer neighbor, you, 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 you kind of lived with it because you only maybe saw him once a week or once every two weeks. It wasn't like you saw him every day or had to interact with him on, online every moment of every day. That every time he tweeted, it went, bzz, 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 and you got madder and madder and madder. I'm not sure if my grandfather who preached through the 30s, the 40s, and the 50s could ever envision that America could be so bifurcated as it is now. 
that you ask people and deal with people according to their political proclivity and dismiss those who disagree and laugh and joke about the ones you don't agree with. And so this text comes at me from a lot of different ways. It's a lot easier to preach Jacob being nice to his brothers and saying, bring pops, it's going to be great. Or easy to preach about the resurrection of the dead from 1 Corinthians 15, but... I'm going to be fair to you and fair to what we've gone through this year through Luke. I, I can't skip the hard part. And make no mistake, this is the hard part. This is love your enemies. So let's, let's go through the verbs. He asks us in this text to love, do good, bless, pray, turn. Simple, right? Love, do good, bless, pray, turn. Things that we should do each and every day to the people who we love. And do, lend, be merciful, forgive, and give. And it really looks simple until it's put in the greater context. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And on and on as you go through those those verbs. So go there this morning. Open your heart just a little bit and go there this morning. Go into that dark piece of your brain that, 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 that the person waiting there for you is the one you struggle with. Because that's the one who the mercy of God through you is intended. And that's what Jesus is getting at here. You know, the first time he preached this word, he was totally counterculture. No one would have, he, there's not another rabbi that would have stood up and said, Jesus could say, I'm quoting this rabbi here, and, and, and he already said this, but no, no. Jesus preaching from his own exousia, from his own authority. He stands up and says, here's the reality. Here's what it's all about. Love your neighbors and pray for those who, who hate you. Everyone was saying, no, no, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Lex talionis, the the law of the stick in the eye. You put a little stick in my eye, put a bigger one in your eye. You put a bigger one in my eye, put a bigger one in yours. You knock out my tooth, I knock out your teeth. You lie about me, I lie about you. And somehow this retribution and the law of retribution finds its way to bringing order by bringing fear into society. And that's how life worked those days. That's kind of how humanity works on a very gut level. Oh yeah? And I picture cavemen with a club clubbing one and over. God, I had enough. Boom. Had enough. Boom. Had enough. And the stupidity of that and the knots on the forehead, that's what this leads to. Or two kind of more theological pieces. One is the sense of arrogance that comes in being able to do or perceiving ourselves to do everything God has asked us to do. Wouldn't have anybody who is my enemy. I'm good. I live at peace with everybody. I'm all good. So preach away, pastor. I'm perfect. We know that's a little bit of a fallacy. And then there's that other side. I have totally broken down the relationships in my own family. Because of my addiction and because of my life and where I've been and the choices I've made, I'm the lowest of the low, the worst of the worst. I'm the enemy Jesus is telling everybody to love. And so there's an arrogance that comes with saying, I got it all figured out. I'm the one everybody loves and I love everybody else. And the brokenness that comes with, 
everybody hates me, and I'm a broken, sinful person. So where do you fit into that? No doubt for each one of us, there's a place on that continuum where we fit. There's not a person who can come out of church today who says, everybody loves me. There's also not a person who can come out of church today and say, everybody hates me. But how do we deal with those with whom we struggle? And how can we sometimes be that person others struggle with? So Jesus stood up and offered a different way than eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He said, how about if we let mercy undergird this? Don't deliver a blow for a blow, an insult for an insult, a lie for a lie, stealing for stealing. Rather, the bottom line, instead of getting even, is be merciful just as your father is merciful. Luke chapter 6, verse 36. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. And that is the foundational truth of Jesus' sermon. That God in heaven is merciful and not vengeful. God is not going to usher you before heaven, take a club out and say, man, you skipped church 8,000 times and now I'm going to club you 8,000 times. You told 52,000 lies. You're going to have to work out 50. You did. Do you, you know what you did? God doesn't work that way. God is merciful. Mercy is just a little shade different than grace, isn't it? Mercy is where you have it over the person and they've sinned against you and offended you and you forgive and release them from the responsibility of that. Which is exactly what God has done for you and me. In Romans chapter 5 verse 8, St. Paul writes, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the Son of God showed us the mercy of the Father. Jesus, who could have brought a club to bear on each and every one of us, he becomes the victim to those who have nailed him to a cross and whose sins have put him there. And we see the heart of our Father is the heart of forgiveness, a forgiveness that's sealed in the blood of Jesus, his Son, a mercy that I don't have to necessarily feel all the time because I can see it in the blood on the cross of Christ. And Jesus did those verbs. He loved He did good, he blessed, he prayed, he turned the other cheek, he did acts of mercy, he lent, he was merciful, he forgave, and he gave, he gave. See, Jesus isn't asking you to do something he couldn't or didn't do himself. Rather, by those verbs done for us, he empowers us. To love, do good, bless, pray, turn, do, lend, be merciful. To forgive and to give of ourselves. So the punishment that is rightly ours is delivered on Jesus. And God beholds us in mercy. So that when we come before heaven's gate, he doesn't say, I got a list. He says, welcome home. I've been waiting for you. And I love you. And you are mine and I am yours. Come on in. That's beholding us in mercy. Love, do good, bless, pray, turn, do, lend, be merciful, forgive, and give. The church is going to be done eventually today. And you're going to have to rise up and go out the back, out the sides. And that person probably isn't gone. They're probably not. As a matter of fact, if your life 
works like mine. That person is probably waiting for you somewhere. And you're going to come into a Starbucks or a McDonald's, or I don't go to McDonald's anymore, a, a, a Starbucks or a bike shop or something, and, and there they are. And you're like, oh. And the inside of you is going, Klinkenberg preached 22 minutes in a hot church, and I was half asleep, and then, oh, here you are. Now i got to deal with you. And on the outside, you do what? Hey, it's good to see you. And in that conflict, love, do good, bless, pray, turn, do, lend, be merciful, forgive, and give. As hard as that is to do. For me and, and, and for many of us as well, we, we want to know what the durative sense of that is, right? How long? do I do? How much do I lend? How long am I merciful? How many times do I forgive? And how much do I give? Because God doesn't call me to be a, a doormat or a, 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 a someone who just gets walked all over and beat up and kind of a... The only answer I can give you to that is, I don't know. I don't know how bad that person's been to you, but you do. I don't know how many times you've turned the other cheek, but you do. I don't know how many times you've had to shake your head and go, right, thanks. I did that this week with a friend who went through a very painful episode in his life, and I get excited and I talk too much, and I mentioned that I had been with a friend whose son had died, not remembering that my friend's son himself seven years ago had died. know better than that, Tim. How many times does my friend forgive me? And his wife look at me with tears in her eyes. I look back at her like, what an idiot. One more? Hey, forgive me one more time? Shot me a text message with a smiley emoji. I kind of had to find a quiet place out of the rain and just go, Lord, come on. Throttle back that mouth just a little bit, Lord, please. If he can be patient with me, how can I be patient with others? I get we can't be doormats, and I get we can't give it all away, and I get all that stuff, but how far would you go to show love and mercy to that person closest to you? Or the one that's just around the corner in Starbucks. How far would you go? In our political discourse, this generation, I think we throw the word Nazi around too much. And in eight o'clock service, I had a couple people who were World War II veterans. And when you begin to talk about World War II, it, 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 you talk about the, the Nazification of Germany and you talk about those things. And if you're a, a history person at all and you've read that, you know that when someone reaches out to someone else and says, you know, that's, you're, you're a Nazi, they have no clue what they're saying. One of my professors in college, Dr. Robert Kolb, said, there is nothing from modern history to which we can compare the Nazification of Germany and Europe. Nothing. He used to call it the banality of evil. 
that evil was so banal, so prevalent, that, that nothing came alongside of it. There's nothing you say, well, that's as evil as this. There's just, it defies comparison. So when one political opponent says to another, well, this is just like Nazi Germany, I wish there was a way back machine that people could go in and say, no, not really. You have food and clothing and money in the bank and a trip to Hawaii and you're okay. Your neighbors aren't being wholesale put out because they're Jewish, thrown in a ghetto, thrown in Auschwitz and systematically destroyed. That's the evil through which Corrie Ten Boom lived as a young woman living in Holland. When she was finally arrested in Holland, she was held in solitary confinement. After three months of solitary confinement, she was taken to her first hearing. On her trial, Ten Boom spoke about her work with the mentally disabled. The Nazi lieutenant scoffed as the Nazis had been systematically killing mentally disabled individuals for years based on their eugenics ideologies. Ten Boom defended her work saying that in the eyes of God, a mentally disabled person might be more valuable than a watchmaker or a lieutenant. She came from a family of watchmakers. Corey and her sister were sent from Schwenningen to Herzogen, Herzogenbusch, a political concentration camp, also known as Camp Vought, and finally to Ravensbrück concentration camp, a women's labor camp in Germany. There, her and her sisters held worship services. After the hard days at work, using a Bible they had managed to sneak in. While at Ravensbrook, Betsy Tenboom, Corey's sister, began to discuss plans with her sister after the war for a place of healing and wholeness. Betsy's health continued to deteriorate. She died on December 16, 1944, at the age of 59. Before she, told, before she died, she told Corey, her sister, these words. There is no pit so deep that God will not be deeper still. Fifteen days later, Corey was released. Afterwards, she was told that her release was due to a clerical error and that a week later, all the women in her age group were sent to the gas chambers. That's evil. That's what the Nazis did in Europe. Corrie Ten Boom returned home in the midst of the hunger winter she opened her door still to the mentally disabled who were hiding for fear of execution. After World War II, she became famous, not as being one who would go and exact revenge with an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth, not being the one who would say, look at what you did to me and to my people, now I'm going to put it on you. Rather, Corey Ten Boom was famous for forgiveness. Probably the foremost voice since Jesus said these words 2,000 years ago, is Corey Ten Boom's voice. Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Corey Ten Boom said it this way. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives us along with the command, the love itself. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives us along with the command, the love itself. So how many times do I forgive? How many times do I turn the cheek? I don't know. Maybe one more. 
maybe another one after that. But let's not get all jacked up about how many. And maybe just focus on the one. Love, do good, bless, pray, turn, do, lend, be merciful, forgive, and give. God's given you a heart filled with love. Instead of going up to people and asking them maybe to fill your heart with something else because you feel so needy, maybe what the Lord is calling us to do here is to give from the abundance of the love He has for us and be mercifully inclined toward those who are enemies, easily offended, or struggle with us. So we take a moment to pray and give those people and those circumstances to the Lord Jesus. Thanks, Lord, for a moment to be together, to be in your word and to find purpose and meaning in a sermon you delivered over 2,000 years ago. Luke and Matthew, Lord, they, they, they just about bring this, you know, it's just right there, it's the same. It's so clear that your theme of mercy goes throughout this sermon. So where we've been offensive, forgive us. Offensive to other people, like me, Lord, with my mouth and what I say. Grant us that people would be mercifully inclined towards us that we would be able to share that one for another and just kind of release one another from that heartsick piece of guilt. And Lord, where we have that opportunity to reach out to the person who's been offensive towards us, grant those open doors. Maybe it is in Starbucks, maybe it is in McDonald's, I don't know. But we're going to see them and we're going to know it. Grant us those verbs, not in our brain, but in our souls, that they would move us to actions of mercy and kindness. Thanks for your mercy towards us in your son, Jesus, that allows our hearts to be full and allows us in every way to be both vulnerable and courageous. Bless us, Lord, as your people who know your mercy through your son.